Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Well, greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. I've done a uh, a New Testament survey here, and I'd like to share with you what it says about why we should suffer joyfully. What's God's purpose behind suffering? And should we go through it? And how much should we go through it? And what should we do <laughs> when we go through it? Because everybody's going to go through it. Too much tribulation shall you enter the kingdom, the Lord said. First Peter 2.21 says, For hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Yep, he laid down his life for us, and we're also told in First John to lay down our lives for the brethren. Right. And he says in Matthew 16 and 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And we know what the cross symbolizes. It symbolizes the suffering that the Lord went through, the suffering he bore for us. You know, when you're, when you're sick, you believe what God's word says, by whose stripes you were healed, and you get healed. Sometimes there's a trial of your faith, but if you hold fast the confession of your hope, you get healed. Confess your sins, you get healed. Well, it's the same with suffering. You know, you delete, the Lord bore our sufferings. Uh, but when we're going through them, we've got a trial of our faith. And while that's happening, the suffering itself is doing a crucifying work upon us. But we need to be thankful for everything that the Lord does. You know, give thanks always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Mark 8 and 31 says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. Is it any different today uh, for a son of God that uh, these people in our day, whoever they are in our day, would persecute us? No, it's not any different. And God has his purposes. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. He has vessels of honor. He has vessels of dishonor. It fulfills his purpose in his people that they suffer at the hands of the wicked. Uh, Mark 9 and 12 says, And he said unto them, Elijah indeed cometh first, and restoreth all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be set at naught? 
Well, you know, the thing about the ego is is the old man, really. And uh, the ego has to be crucified. Set at naught is the best way to do that. Jesus was set at naught. He was the great king, the great savior. Everything about him was great. Everything he did was great. But they, because they didn't know him and because their hearts were, were antichrist, they crucified him. They set him at naught. They made little of him. They wanted the vineyard for themselves, just as Jesus said, and they still do today. Luke 9 and 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and the third day be raised up. Well, amen. All that's a type and a shadow of uh, the body of Christ, um, the first body of Christ, uh, giving us a sign of what's going to happen to the second body of Christ, right, which is a corporate body. What he went through, we go through. As a body, we go through, right? And uh, Mark 17 and 25 says, But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Well, the whole generation of the people that call themselves the people of God um, rejected him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But some he had given grace to, to recognize him, right? And 24 and 26, Behooved it not the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Well, obviously, he what he goes through, the body of Christ must go through. And the only way we can enter into our glory is to suffer these things at the hand of the same kind of people. So. Don't think you've missed God because you're suffering at the hands of the wicked, unless, of course, you're suffering for foolishness and sin, right? There's no glory in that. But if you're seeking to please God in everything, you will displease this generation. This generation is worse than that generation, so it will definitely be the same. And verse 46 from that same chapter, And he said unto them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. Amen. So it's uh, obvious the Lord wants us to pay attention to what happened to him. It's going to happen to us, he says, Uh, not necessarily in a literal way, but in a spiritual way. It'll happen to us, but it's still just as mortifying to the ego of man, which can't enter the kingdom of God. has to be crucified here, right? Acts 3 and 18 says, But the things which God foreshadowed by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ should suffer, he thus fulfilled. Amen. He has anointed his Christ, this Christ that suffered, and so must his anointed in these days suffer, right? He was an example to us. He left you an example that you should follow his steps. He suffered for you and he left you an example. His example is. So we shouldn't think it a strange thing, you know, that we would be hated. 
In fact, we can take it joyfully because we know it leads to his glory. He suffered these things to enter into his glory. Thank you, Father. Acts 5 and 38 says, And now I say unto you, Refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will be overthrown. Well, I would give the same exact advice to persecutors today who claim to be Christians. They're not leaving, they don't leave anything to God uh, because it's in their heart to crucify. They have hatred. But they should refrain from all of their self-efforts because God is God and they're trying to act like God, you know. If, this, if the council will be of men, it will be overthrown. I remember one brother that repented once of, uh, of crucifying men. He told the others, he said, look, if this thing was of God, it would have worked, but it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, verse 39 says, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them lest happily you be found even to be fighting against God. That was really good advice. They didn't take it. They agreed initially because it looked bad on them, you know, but they didn't take it, ultimately. And him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles unto them, they beat them. (laughs) Well, okay, it sounded like they weren't taking it even then, right? and charge them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. Well, now you see the scriptural reply to this in verse 41. They therefore departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Do you know that we suffer dishonor for the name, and we should be glad to do it? and speak up when we're supposed to, and be quiet when we're supposed to. Suffering dishonor for the name is so that the name is manifested in us. We take on his name in baptism, in the name. We're baptized actually literally into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is unto death. We come into his name, which means his nature, character, and authority. That's what the word onoma means. Nature, character, and authority. And so we go through this um, crucifixion, put to death the old man, so that the one with the name, that is the spiritual man within us, the one who manifests the name, um, comes to fullness. Right? Oh, praise the Lord. Ain't God good. Acts 9 and 13 says, But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many of this man how much evil he did to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. There it is again. And Paul did suffer 
many things for his name's sake. He did it joyfully. He uh, couldn't imagine not going and preaching and doing the things that he did. And he suffered for it, but he did it joyfully. And he did manifest the name. He did. He, he taught the same as Jesus. He did the works of Jesus, etc., etc. He manifested his name. And, of course, they're going to hate anybody in whom Jesus lives. The people of the world, whether they be religious or not, whether they be quote-unquote Christian or not, um, makes no difference. If they're worldly in their mind, if they have the mind of the flesh, if they're just religious and not holy, they're going to persecute you, and that's what they've been created to do, as we will see. Paul did suffer, but he wanted to make up for the evil that he had done to God's people. And God permitted him to go through all that just to create this man. And he's doing the same with other men. I've asked the Lord, where are your Pauls? And he showed me. They are the people who have persecuted the people of God. They're going through that stage right now. Yeah. And God's got the same answer for them. Acts 17 and 2, And Paul, as his custom was, went in unto them, and for three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the Scriptures, opening and alleging that it behooved the Christ to suffer and to rise again from the dead, that this Jesus, whom said he I proclaim unto you, is the Christ. He is the anointed. The one you killed is the anointed, right? And some of them were persuaded and consorted with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. And of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, being moved with jealousy, took unto them certain vile fellows of the rabble, and gathering a crowd, set the city in an uproar. There's no conscience in the people that don't receive the word of God. There's no conscience in them. They can be used by the devil at any time. And the devil does exactly what he wants with them because God has a purpose in it. Okay, but God works in the devil to willing to do of his good pleasure, just like he does in every other vessel that he has. Because all of the word of God is going to be completed and fulfilled. And um, set the city in an uproar, and assaulting the house of Jason, they sought to bring them forth to the people. And when they found them not, they dragged Jason and certain brethren before the rulers of the city, saying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Yep. Notice the difference. It's totally the opposite. The world for them is upside down. And uh, (laughs) what's up is down and what's down is up. And that's the way it is between Christ and Antichrist. And anybody, even a Christian, who has received a new spirit but continues to walk in the old soul is still walking like Antichrist and can be used in that way at any time. That's why we have to die. That's why Jesus told his disciples 
you have to lose your life. They still had something to lose. They were his disciples, but they still had that old life to lose. And, and without losing it, they would still be walking after the mind of the flesh, which is anti-Christ. Acts 26 and 21. For this cause the Jews seized me in the temple and essayed to kill me. Having therefore obtained the help that is from God, I stand unto this day, testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses did say should come, how that the Christ must suffer, at their hands, by the way, and how that he, first by the resurrection of the dead, should proclaim light both to the people and to the Gentiles. Amen. Suffering is bringing forth the greatest thing here, salvation. It's bringing salvation. A person who has suffered the loss of his old life, the esteem of the world, they are the only ones that can preach the truth because the truth can't be in the heart of an antichrist mind, right? Romans 8 and 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. Notice that. There's a condition. I know people like to throw out the conditions, just accept the verses that they like. Well, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. Notice that we may also be glorified with him. Once again, we see that this suffering leads to glorification. And glorification is the process of Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. Christ in you. Amen. Hey, isn't it worth it to have Christ in you? We can be joint heirs with Christ. We can have all that he had. We can give all that he gave. Uh, we have authority, like, the, like Adam first had. We have authority. But it's if so be that we suffer with him. So we can be glorified. And that glorification, of course, is Christ in you, the one who does the work, right? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us, word. Oh, so this suffering is bringing us to the glory which shall be revealed to usward. Again, uh, we're seeing sufferings pointing towards the manifestation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the revealing of the sons of God. There it is, the glory, not the children of God. We're children, we're heirs, but the manifestation of sonship is that glory that he's talking about here. Amen. Verse 20. For the creation was subject to vanity. Vanity being the suffering of this world, the things of this world, and all the things that the carnal man glorifies in this earth. Right? The creation was subject to vanity. 
not of its own will, but by reason of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the liberty of the glory of the children of God. So the suffering that we go through is to deliver us from the bondage of corruption into the liberty of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Yep. There is suffering in the world and there is suffering in the kingdom. Suffering in the kingdom has a point. It brings you to something. It brings you to glorification. It has a purpose. Suffering in the world is just suffering for sin and wickedness. There is no glory in that. 23. And not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Self is synonymous in the scriptures with soul, not spirit. He's talking about the people who have been born again in spirit, right? Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for our adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Amen. That's the, the complete manifestation of the Son of God. On this earth we can manifest the Son of God in spirit and soul. And with the new body, that is the total completion of it. For in hope were we saved. Yes, people think that they have manifested their salvation and they think it's a gift that they've manifested and it's theirs and it can't be taken away. That's false. For in hope, that's a firm expectation. For in a firm expectation were we saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopeth for that which he seeth? You're hoping for something that you haven't seen, which is the manifestation of your salvation, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery that's been hid, Paul said. For if we hope for that which we see not, then we do, do we with patience wait for it. We're hoping for something that we patiently wait for, the manifestation of the sons of God. And in like manner the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity, for we know not how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot, which cannot be uttered. Yes, the Holy Spirit asks God, he knows the things, the deep things of God, and he asks God according to the will of God, according to our needs. And he helps us, he intercedes for us. So be sure and be filled with the Holy Spirit, especially with the gift of speaking in tongues, because the reason you speak in tongues is you don't want your mind to be involved in something that the Holy Spirit knows perfectly well you need because you would resist the Holy Spirit. So, we need this. Okay, be filled with the Spirit. You're commanded from the Scriptures, right? Oh, hallelujah. And 1 Corinthians 3 and 15 says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is through fire. 
we're saved through fire because the works of man is burnt up. The works of the wood, the hay, and the stubble is burnt up. That's part of our salvation. That's why we go through the fire. The eternal things, the spiritual man who is born from above, he doesn't burn up. There's no sin in him. It's the carnal man that has to burn up. It's where we have to lay our uh, flesh on the altar as priests of God and uh, the altar of the fiery trial and be obedient to God in the midst of the trial so that that trial takes out the old man. This is how we come into the image of God. And uh, 1 Corinthians 4 and 12 says, And we toil, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, there it is again, brought to naught, right? Being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things, even until now. That is, of course, the opinion of the religious, those that claim to know God, when all they've received is religion. Um, they've got a job to do. And it just in the case of Jesus, it's so with us today, too. They have a job to do. They're, <clears throat> until they know better, until they decide they're going to humble themselves to the Word of God and not just to men and their organizations, they're just going to be persecutors. That's what the harlot does, and that's what they do best. And just know that we know how to cooperate with God in this process. Just know that God will use them, and you shouldn't be offended at them. God can open their eyes at any moment, just like Paul. He can open their eyes. And you should pray for them. The Bible says pray for them that despitefully use you. Why? Because they can be just another Paul there, you know. Pray for them. They don't know what they're doing. That's what Jesus said, right? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They really don't. They have thought that that their training makes them sons of God, and it does not. Because their training hasn't been the word of God, which is the only thing that can bring forth a son of God. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as man can bear. So you can't hold up under any temptation. You you who are born from above, you can hold up under this. You can resist this. Don't let the devil tell you you can't. He's a liar. If you believe him, you don't believe the gospel. There is no temptation taking you, but such as man can bear. Man can bear. I know people that quit cigarettes just because of the fear of losing their life. So that's man doing it. What about God? What about the fear of God? But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Notice that. He won't suffer you to be tempted beyond your ability. Do you take that ability from God that he gave you, or do you just give in to your flesh? Well, when you sin, you just give in to your flesh if you believe the gospel. 
but will with the temptation make also the way of escape. Amen. The best way to escape temptation is overcome it. Not wait for it to come around again, because if you don't overcome it now, it's going to come around again. It'll test you again until you decide, I'm going to obey the scriptures. I'm going to give up my whole life, right? That you may be able to endure it. Yes, you can. You can endure it. Some people don't want to endure it. They're tired of enduring it. They're tired of going through the trial. But it's going over and over until they learn to give thanks to God in the midst of it, to give praise to God in the midst of it, and and value this trial, this test, as something that's going to give them the glory and pass the test. Oh, glory be to God. 1 Corinthians 12 and 26 says, And whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer with it. Or one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's kind of true of an individual body, and if you've got something that hurts, something that's suffering, your whole body suffers. You know? But then if you get glory for some gift that God has given to you, the whole body is honored because of this ability or this gift from God, right? Well, so it is in the corporate body, you know. We uh, we need to learn to suffer with those that suffer. That means take their burden, right? Pray for them. I mean, obviously you want somebody to pray for you when you're suffering. Uh, pray for them lest you be having to take in their suffering, you know. I mean, that wouldn't be nice, would it? Uh, pray for them and, and bear their suffering and help them. Be merciful. Second Corinthians 1 and 4 Who comforteth us in all our affliction, that we may be able to comfort them that are in any affliction, through the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Well, you know when you're in affliction and you know when you've found verses and scriptures that comfort you, um, they encourage you that you're not going through this for nothing, that it's not just a big failure, that God hadn't forgotten you in the midst of this. Uh, Whatever the affliction, whatever the comfort, when you learn that lesson, you're able to turn and give it to somebody else, right? Oh, glory to God. You know, the most encouraging thing I've gone through is, is David's, I think, not just Job, but David's uh, revelations and prophecies in the book of Psalms. He suffered a lot with the wicked, and the things he learned were good. And where he was, he wasn't in complete understanding of New Testament grace. That's obvious, because he, he prayed against the wicked, but but he learned a lot of things about mercy and grace, and uh, that's appreciative. Verse 5 says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound unto us, even so our comfort also aboundeth through Christ. But whether we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. It is true, you know, as a minister of the Lord, he went through a lot of affliction in order to comfort and bring salvation to other people. You can't tell someone how to get there unless you've been there, right? 
or whether we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which worketh in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Patiently enduring. Patiently enduring. Well, remember that. Be patient. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Don't uh, look at yourself when you're suffering. Look at God. Look at what he has done for you. Look what the Bible says about his deliverance that he gave unto you. Look at what it says about uh, his perfection that he gave unto you. You set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. You know, when you suffer, right? And our hope is for you. Our hope for you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so also are ye of the comfort. Amen. We're able to comfort others the way the Lord comforts us. Oh, praise be to God. For we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning our affliction, which befell us in Asia, that we were weighed down exceedingly beyond our power. There's a secret. Sometimes we are weighed down beyond our power. And that is so that we don't trust in our power. Right. Insomuch that we despaired even of life. Yea, we are, yeah, well, I, I felt that way before, you know. Lord, I'd just as soon come on home. <laughs> and I'm sure you have too. And, um, yea, we ourselves have had the sentence of death within ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves. There it is. That we should not trust in ourselves. But in God, who raiseth the dead. You think when somebody's dead, it's just too late. It's all over. But God says, oh, no, I'm the one that raises the dead, right? It's never too late for God. Don't even believe such a thing. Who delivered us out of so great a death. In other words, all this despairing of life and all these things, he delivered them out of it. And will deliver on whom we have set our hope that he will also still deliver us. Do you still have that hope that God will deliver you, or have you just totally given up the faith? The Lord says, My righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Some people have gone, become tired of the way and have just gone back to the ways of the world. And the Lord has no pleasure in that. He wants you to endure to the end to see the benefit. He wants you to hold fast the confession of your hope. He wants you to hold fast to your faith. Believe what God has said. I know people who have been with our ministry for many, many years and haven't grown in their faith, or they went back in their faith. Others have grown tremendously in their faith, and they're walking in and really great things in the Lord, you know. So don't get discouraged. Don't fall back. Though my righteous one shall live by faith, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. There's people that just go back to the ways of the world. You also, helping together on our behalf, 
by your supplication, that for the gift bestowed upon us by means of many, thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf. Yep. It just spreads, you know, you're just, if you endure to receive the help and the blessing of God through your supplications, it will just spread to others, won't it? Amen. Second Corinthians 4.11 For we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, so that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That's contrary to a lot of folks' doctrine. But it's the facts. If the devil has deceived you into telling you that you're only going to get something from God when you go to heaven, you've missed the whole point from being on this earth. He wants to manifest Christ in your mortal flesh. Uh, There's nothing about God changing the soul. He's going to change the body. You're bearing the fruit of your spirit man in your soul, 30, 60, and 100 fold, and without that, you won't enter the kingdom. So we're delivered unto death, that is crucifixion, through the sufferings that we go through, that the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. We, are, we suffer for this purpose. And while you're in your suffering, don't turn loose of your faith. Whatever you pray, uh, whatever you pray as far as deliverance and whatever Jesus already accomplished it at the cross, hold fast. The, the, the fastest way between two points is a straight line, right? Don't give up your faith. Don't go around in circles in the wilderness, right? So then de- death worketh in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to that which is written, I believed, and therefore did I speak. Now, if you believe, you will speak. You will speak according to the word of God, according to the promise. You will not turn it loose. I believed, and therefore did I speak. We also believe, and therefore also we speak. Knowing that he raised up the Lord Jesus, shall raise us also with Jesus, and shall present us with you. Amen. God's going to finish the good work he started. Don't give up your faith. Don't let the devil discourage you. For all things are for your sakes. All things are for your sakes. He works all things together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Don't think the Lord forgot about you because you're going through suffering, because you're being persecuted, because people hate you. That's the norm. But look at the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. For all things are for your sakes, that the grace being multiplied through the many may cause the thanksgiving to abound unto the glory of God. Yep, you need grace to just give thanks to God. And it'll spread as it goes. You can encourage people around you. You can lift them up. You can strengthen them even while you're in the midst of your trial. But don't give up your confession. Wherefore, we faint not, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man, that is the man that's renewed day by day here, 
he says. Uh, that is the man that's born from above. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? That outer man has to decay. He has to die away so that this new man can live. Obviously, there's only one man supposed to live in your body, and it's Jesus Christ, because we are the body of Christ. For our light affliction, which is for the moment, he calls it a light affliction, and it is compared to the prize, worketh for us more and more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. And here's how it works. While we look not at the things which are seen, don't get your eyes on the test, the trial, the persecution. Get your eyes on what's going to come of it, as we've seen so far. The glory of God. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. Oh, yes. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Get your eyes on Jesus in the mirror. He's eternal. He is doing that work. He, you gave this job to him. You entrusted it to him through faith in his sacrifice. Now let him do the work. Stop hindering him by being cast down, discouraged, doubting, all these things. Second Corinthians 6 and 4 But in everything, commending ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions. If you're going to be a minister of God, you've got to have patience in afflictions. In necessities, oh yes, you could get into uh, needs, right? in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments. Now, Paul was an expert at all this. <laughs> in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Yes, I know you don't like that word either, but it is very good. In pureness, in knowledge, in long-suffering. You want God to be long-suffering with you, be long-suffering with everybody else. In kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in love unfeigned, because that's where it comes to, according to what Peter said, love unfeigned. There's a lot of fakers out there. I love you, <laughs> but, they always come along with that but, you know, in love, unfeigned, in the word of truth and in the power of God and by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by glory and dishonor, yep, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. Wow. So, the sufferings, the afflictions, he called them, uh, being long-suffering, going through all these things. He was able to do it by the grace of God in order to be able to comfort others and show others the way to salvation. And Second Corinthians 7 and 8 says, 
For though I made you sorry with my epistle, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the epistle made you sorry, but for a season. And I now rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you were made sorry unto repentance. Well, so he had some things to say to him, and he had to say them, and he did say them, and he saw that it made him sorry. Uh, just making you sorry is not enough if it doesn't bring about repentance. And he was glad of that. He rejoiced at that because they were sorry enough to repent, to change their mind. Sometimes we have to say hard things to people. He said, for you were made sorry after a godly sort, that you might suffer loss by us in nothing. And, of course, we want to be sure if we if there's something that we need to say from the Lord so that someone won't suffer loss, we don't want to shirk our duty, right? That you might suffer loss by us in nothing. People who don't repent will suffer loss. People who are corrected and are humble enough to repent will not suffer loss. For godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. Notice repentance is what you have to do to get to salvation. For godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. A repentance which bringeth no regret, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Mm -hmm. That's because they go right back to doing what they've done before. They, they regret, and they go back. Galatians 3 and 2. This only would I learn from you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. So they were going back under the law, seeking to justify themselves before God. They didn't have faith towards God anymore. They were trying to work their way to heaven, like a lot of Christians are doing nowadays by going back under Judaism even under a covenant that was never made with them. And verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now perfected in the flesh? Yeah, by keeping all the rules and regulations of the old covenant that the Bible says passed away. Did you suffer so many things in vain? Well, yes, actually, if they go back under the law, they've suffered everything in vain if it be indeed in vain. He therefore that supplieth unto you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you. In other words, look how easily God does everything. If he gives you grace, you'll do them just as easily. If he doesn't, because you're under the law, you'll work harder and harder and harder, but you'll never come to the place of maturity, perfection, or justification either. He therefore that supplieth you the Spirit and, the, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Well, of course, by the hearing of faith. Oh, thank you, Father.
even as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. He wasn't able to bring forth the fruit of the promised son, just like we're not either. He just believed God, and that was reckoned unto him for righteousness, and then God gave him the fruit. And so it is with us. He just gives it to you. Philippians 1.29 says, Because to you it hath been granted in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer in his behalf. We suffer in behalf of Christ. We suffer so that his name is manifested in us, his nature, his character, his authority. We suffer on behalf of Christ. Because we want to be a good representative of his, and the flesh can never represent him, or anything the flesh says can represent him, it has to die. The best way for the flesh to die is when you read the word of God, obey it. Even when you think it will prosper you to not obey it, obey it. That's the temptation. Obey. Because then you've overcome, and then you'll receive the fruit. And Philippians 2.27, For indeed, he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, that I might not have sorrow upon sorrow. And I have sent him, therefore, the more diligently that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all joy, and hold such in honor. Because for the work of Christ he came nigh unto death, hazarding his life to support that which was lacking in your service towards me. He said, hold such in honor. Those people who sacrificed their life to serve the brethren. And 3 and 10 says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings. That means you suffer with him, becoming conformed unto his death. If you don't have the fellowship of his sufferings, you're not being conformed unto his death. And Philippians goes on to talk about the, his resurrection life. Right. For those who are conformed unto his death, they shall also be of the resurrection, as Paul said in Romans 6. This resurrection life is Christ in you. Because the Bible says, as he is, even so are we in this world. He is resurrected. He wants to give us his resurrection life. That is Christ in you, not the old man in you, right? The fellowship of his sufferings. You're not suffering alone. You're suffering with the rest of the body of Christ. And you're suffering with Christ himself. Colossians 1 and 21 says... And you, being in time past alienated, 
and enemies in your mind and in your evil works. Yet now hath he reconciled, that means exchanged, katalaso, exchanged, in the body of his flesh through death. He's exchanged your life for his life. Right? Your curse for his blessings. Your sin for his holiness. He hath reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. If so be that you continue in the faith. You have to continue in the faith. The devil says, give up, go back, go back to doing things the way you were. No, you have to continue in the faith. Grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel or the good news. Hold fast to the good news, which you heard and which was preached in all creation under heaven, whereof I, Paul, was made a minister. And now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, we suffer for the people around us because we suffer to come into his image. We suffer with death, burial, and resurrection so that that resurrection life of Christ can live through us, right? I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and fill up on my part that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Fill up on my part that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. Right? We want all of the afflictions of Christ in our flesh because the flesh has to die. And this is for his body's sake, it says. How can you give something to the rest of the body that you don't have, which is the church, whereof I was made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which was given me to you, word, to fulfill the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 2. And send Timothy, our brother, and God's minister in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man be moved by these afflictions. So people are moved, and they're moved in the wrong direction sometimes by afflictions. The devil tells them, God forgot about you. God's angry with you. You did something wrong, and you've been reprobated, and blah, blah, blah. He can give you the whole stream. You know, I've heard it so many times that no man be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that hereunto we are appointed. We are appointed to suffer on behalf of Christ and his body. We are appointed to this. Don't think it's a strange thing. For verily, when we were with you, we told you beforehand that we are to suffer affliction, even as it is as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause I also, when I could no longer forbear, 
sent that I might know your faith. He wanted to make sure that they were still believing. They weren't cast down in their afflictions. They weren't moved by their afflictions. That I might know your faith, lest by any means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor should be in vain. Meaning all that work to bring them to the kingdom, suffering on their behalf, teaching them, so on and so forth. And sometimes i got to tell you, it looks like our laboring has been in vain for some folks. But even as they fail, some people, the best ministry to them is failure because they're proud, because they're vain, because they're lifted up, because they've given in to their ego, because they've got to lose their life and they're not doing it. So God helps them. Failure sometimes is the way he helps them. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. My thirsting soul, pure as water, made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. Oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Shining rays of red 